time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack has you covered with all the news and notes surrounding, surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. Welcome back in. It's another edition of 5th Avenue Faceoff. And lucky enough to be joined by our NHL insider, David Pagnotta of the 4th Period. Follow him at the 4th Period on Twitter and the 4th Period.com where he brings you up to date on all the comings and goings around the NHL, we were just talking before we hit record, David. Uh, we're now this lowly non-playoff market. You've got eight wild <laughs> series up and running. We're nope. a game or two into the uh, the conference uh, quarterfinals in each uh, each conference as the Stanley Cup playoffs get underway. Some great early games in those series so far, and. Here you are stuck talking to me about the off season, <laughs> but, but let's start there. Let's, I, was at, I was at the Tampa Toronto game last night here in Toronto. And uh, I, I don't know what's, what's worse uh, to be honest, what's going on there or what's going on here because the fan base is just losing it after that loss well, to Tampa seven, three. Next time you're up there, I'm, it's going to be like sixth grade. I'm going to write a little note on a piece of paper, fold it right. up like a, like a paper football and I'm going to have you just slide it under Kyle's door as you walk walk through the press box. Uh, I sit see right if he's below not interested. I, I, I sit right below him. He's he's literally like this, like right up there, wherever that would be. That's he's right there with the rest yeah. of the management team. So um, we'll we'll do that thing where we tie a string right to it, and you can just throw it right. up like that, like a right. fishing line, uh, <laughs> like guys in prison trying to communicate with each other. Don't ask how I know that. Um, right. yeah. So <laughs> let's dive into the Penguins off season. The news came down. Uh, last Friday, uh, yeah. Ron Hextall, Brian Burke, Chris Pryor out. Uh, I don't think that's a surprise. I talked to a couple of people who uh, were on the post-game elevator ride with Hextall and Burke after the loss in Columbus, and they said the looks on their face kind of said it all. Dead men walking. They knew exactly what was coming. Yeah. Um, it, it, that part is not surprising. What I think did surprise some, not a lot of us, but what did surprise some is that the guy who seems to be at the forefront of the transition period, if nothing else, is a guy who some people thought might accidentally catch some shrapnel in this transition, and that's Mike Sullivan. Um, he is leading this transition team, it looks like. So in the interim, until a new GM or president of Hockey Ops or both are hired, uh, he'll be leading the charge into the offseason. So I guess going forward, is it fair to believe that Mike Sullivan's influence has grown within the Penguins organization? I think his, his influence, more importantly, the trust that they have in him, uh, both on and off the ice, is is weighing in as as a big reason as to why he stuck around. Um, forget about the extension. Um, the money, They got the money. They can pay all kinds of people. Um, it really it comes down to the trust that ownership and the guys in the room um, and around different parts of the organization really have uh, with with Mike Sullivan. Um, so I think that's one of the, the primary, if not the biggest reason as to why he's sticking around and whoever comes into the president of hockey ops or GM role or both, they're going to have to be comfortable with Mike Sullivan as their head coach. And I would imagine a lot of people would be. He's a hell of a coach. Um, just sometimes you don't get the right tools in place. You can't put the right pieces together. And, and that's ultimately what happened this season. He didn't have the right tools to work with. You mentioned that contract <laughs> extension. He is with the Penguins through the spring of 2027, another four years with that contract extension. 
Would you say it's, and you make a great point, Fenway Sports Group and the Pittsburgh Penguins can afford to pay anybody if and when it should, you know, that they should have to cross that path. But is it fair to say he's about as untouchable as any coach in the NHL through the end of that extension? Uh, I mean, look, through the end of it, I'm not sure. I think right now it, it certainly seems that way. Give it a year, give it two, see what happens after things start to transition out when, you know, Latang and Sid and, and Gino start to get towards the end of their year, last contract or last year of their contract or, or beyond. Um, uh, yeah, but I think for for the foreseeable future, he's he's the guy. He's not going anywhere. Uh, so again, whoever is coming in there has to be comfortable with that fact that he's going to be around for two more seasons minimum, um, yeah. unless things completely fall off. Then we might have a different discussion with respect to the direction of the organization overall. But um, yeah, he's he's locked in as far as um, what the optics are, definitely. And chatter around the league suggests the the same thing. So the guys coming in are going to work with him. He's going to talk to them. Here are the strengths of this roster. Here are the holes. Here's where we need to improve. Here's where if we just alter a couple things, we can get better, and we don't have to prioritize that. Um, all of that, those new people that are coming in, they're going to be counted on. Uh, or he, they're going to be counting on him rather to make sure that they can help this process along in getting this team back into postseason contention and back into contender status. It's interesting you mentioned the time frame of the next two years at least because that lines up with the final two years of Sidney Crosby's current contract. Yeah. Um, how do you think Sidney Crosby views the organization's situation right now and whether it aligns with his future or not? Uh, I think, well, first of all, I think it does because I think they want to remain competitive. I think the mandate going into this season, just like it will be going into next season, will be we want to contend. We want to get back into that into that level up into to the upper echelon of the National Hockey League. We got three of the best guys in the league uh, in in since they've entered the league um, that can put us there. But we have to get the right complementary pieces in place, and and that's what that's what they're going to look for. And I think Sid is you know certainly aligned with that. If it if you got to take a step back right now, um, so be it for at least the next two seasons. If that means next season, the season after that, sit sticks around a little bit longer, perhaps, you know, if they can remain within that contender status, I, I mean, that aligns with, with him. He said it at the end of the, at the end of the regular season, he wants to stick around. He can't see him playing anywhere else. I know there's all the reports and there was talk of Colorado and this, that, and the other uh, a little while ago. He's made it clear he wants to say, and I don't get any indication that Mario and, and Fenway Group and everybody is willing to say, eh, maybe it's time to move on. I, I just, it, it just doesn't align. Well, it, 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 with all that being said, we go from the guy who's at the core, Mike Sullivan, to Sidney Crosby, to now the people who are, I wouldn't say next most influential, but they're the bosses, Fenway Sports Group. Yeah. Um, they've been criticized heavily by myself included here in, in the market for what was perceived to be a distance between the leadership of Fenway sports group and the Pittsburgh Penguins and the city of Pittsburgh, the fans of Pittsburgh. Um, but Dave Beeston was in town on Friday for the announcement of uh, the, the firings of Hextall and Burke and prior. Um, it, it sounds like he's going to be in Pittsburgh on a semi-permanent basis now to oversee the day to day here in Pittsburgh. Um, so how do you think Fenway values this franchise? We've looked at it, it over the last few months or year as eh, Maybe this was just a balance sheet acquisition for them. Um, but do they value the Penguins in relation to, A, how the how hockey fans and, and, and Pittsburgh hockey fans value the Penguins? And is that separate from how they value them in relation to maybe 
their crown jewels of the Red Sox and Liverpool? Well, I think they recognize that they might have made a mistake right out of the gate by creating that distance. Um, I don't think it was done maliciously or intentionally from a negative perspective. Um, I just thought that for the, the kind of the, what I was getting was that they want to let the Penguins do their thing in market. We don't want to overstep because at the same time, because there's the Boston connection and, and all that, um, is it going to be looked upon negatively or frowned upon or all that stuff? So maybe they misjudged that. They probably did. Um, and that's why Beeson's going to, as you said, going to be around a lot more often and, and things of that nature to create a little more connectivity with the, the, the ultimate guys at the top. I still believe that the way they want to run things is we want to put the right people in place and let them do their jobs. They don't necessarily want to micromanage everything. I mean, obviously, they're going to have to check in and, and see how things are going. And that's why Beeson will be there regularly. Um, but allow the experts in their field to execute and work as such. Um, so do they need to be a little bit more engaged in the community? I think so. And I think they've recognized that. Um, and, and I believe that'll be a bit of a transition going into next season as, as far as that's concerned. Do they need to do more to, it, it sounds like the relationship with Mario in particular needs to be pieced back together. It sounds like there's a, a pretty significant gulf there, whether mm -hmm. there was a single party or multiple parties within a single entity that, either asked Mario to kind of take a step back with his now very small slice of ownership or perhaps just indicated that they didn't necessarily want him around. Um, how, do, they, do they need to go out of their way and perhaps even bend over backwards to bring him back into the fold, knowing A, what it means for fans here in Pittsburgh, yeah. but also what it could mean for uh, the cachet of the organization around the league, the ability to curry favor with other organizations, the ability to have that face of the franchise, aside from Sidney Crosby, an active player, that non-active player face of the franchise, present and and part of things? I think that could definitely play a factor. Uh, I think that could be one of the reasonings in creating or, or pathways for them to creating that connectivity back. With, with as we mentioned, with Beeson being there more often, um, reigniting that flame with respect to Mario's presence um, might might be the, the proper way to go about things. Um, at least I think so. So, uh, I, and I know there's some consideration there as well. So, uh, like right now, they want to make sure that they can finalize the hockey ops and do all that. I think they understand the need um, to, to fix other elements like this one we're talking about, especially within the community and the fan base. Um, I think that's secondary. It doesn't mean it's less important. I, I believe um, that it's it's you got to you got to prioritize things in some regards. So let's figure out we've got a draft coming up in two months. We've got free agency coming up right after that. Let's try to build this management group and then make our way towards or simultaneously trying uh, to mend the relationship in in some form with the with the fan base, with Mario and so on. I, I, I want to wrap up before I let you go with questions about uh, the personnel you just mentioned, the draft and free agency, their yeah. and markets for certain players and obviously what they're going to do in goal. But the crux of the matter here is who's the who's the person or who are the people that are going to be making those decisions. So who is next? I see it in sort of several different buckets of people. Um, you've got the young up and comers. Um, you've got the analytically driven who there, I think there's some overlap in that Venn diagram. If there were two circles there, uh, mm -hmm. you've got uh, also a part of that is the, the female bucket. There's a lot of up and coming female management candidates who could be the first female general manager 
in NHL history and could do it right here in Pittsburgh. Uh, you've got yeah. people who may be, you mentioned the impact of Mike Sullivan and whoever this person is better be comfortable with him. The Sullivan types, we've seen those ones written about. There's the old boys club. You know, I see Stan Bowman's name of all people get thrown out. Um, yeah. There are people with past Penguins connections, Jason Botterill, uh, you know, there's a bunch of different buckets. I don't, we don't necessarily need to put a singular name on it Hermano right now, Cicola, David, but yeah. yeah uh, but, but what do you think, where do the, what direction do you think they cast their gaze first? Well, I, I think, I think they want to evaluate all of their options. I, I think they're going to cast the pretty wide net and, and see who sticks, um, you know, who's, who's beefy enough for them to stick around and make and make an impact. I think Brad for living will get some consideration in some form. Um, whether it's the president of hockey ops or, or GM or, or what have you. Um, I believe there is interest in Emily Castonguay, uh, who is the assistant GM in Vancouver. She was a former agent. Um, she interviewed in some capacity with the Philadelphia Flyers earlier this week, either Monday or Tuesday. I believe there's some interest from Pittsburgh side as well. So it wouldn't shock me to see that being next or if, it, if it's happened already, I'm not sure. Um, but I think she's on their radar as well, among others. Um, you know, Eric Tulski is the AGM in Carolina. His name's floating around there. He's much more analytics driven. Um, so I'm not sure if the GM position would fit my opinion. Um, but would he leave one scenario to go to the next? I'm not sure. We'll, we'll have to, I mean, I think there are going to be multiple different additions here. But I think, you know, individuals like Treliving and Castel Gay for me um, kind of lead things. I think we're probably going to hear Scott Mellamy's name out there as well. Um, I know he's being or, or being given consideration for uh, Calgary's GM role for for what they've got going on in Philadelphia, although I still believe Danny Breer is going to stick around as GM. Um, but these are the types of, of, of names that are going to be kind of floating out there um, and, and kind of going from there. Kevin Weeks, um, every time there's an opening, that name pops up as well. So I, I think we'll see more, um, maybe even Cami Granado. Uh, who's an AGM uh, also in Vancouver. She's on Philly's radar. Wouldn't shock me to be here. Although um, I think, I think Emily is probably the top of the list uh, in terms of people that would fit the GM role almost seamlessly, but you will, we'll have to wait and see. But I think those are some of the names that we'll be hearing more of in Pittsburgh. You know, we, it's funny. Our last episode, we talked about Cammie, uh, our own Jeff Hathorne at the fan brought her name up because like it or not, uh, the GM still has to have some recognition with the fans and around the league. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's not a knock against Emily Castingway, but, um, you know, Cammy Granado is still Cammy Granado, and that carries some weight. And so I'm curious, do, is there still, do you still need to have someone who does have that network built in? I, I, I referred the old boys club earlier. Maybe it doesn't necessarily need to be the old boys club. It could just be uh, someone who's got a wide network of connections throughout the league. Do you still need to have that in this day and age where everything seems to be more and more ana analytically driven? Or is that what leads us down the path of maybe much like we had before a director of hockey ops, who is that, you know, uh, get around the league, talk to everybody has a relationship and a GM who is more focused on just on ice personnel. And it wouldn't make sense. I could see the bread for living being that top tier position. And someone like either Cami or, or, or Emily Castonguay being in that GM role, they both bring different qualities. Um, as a player agent, you know, Emily's highly regarded as a very good negotiator. Um, so that plays a good factor, not only in trades, but also contract discussions. Cami's got a great eye for talent um, as well, uh, as she should. 
Uh, so, I mean, it's different, it's different elements that kind of come into play. And then, you know, again, how do you want to expand your hockey ops department? If it's not the GM role, is there a VP of something? Is there, you know, other elements that come into play here where it's not necessarily two individuals, three or four that round out the top tier um, pieces of this club? I mean, they're going to have to hire an AGM because they're down one. Uh, but does it, are there other elements as well that are going to bring in three, four, five individuals that are going to make up the new generation or next generation of, of management for this club to push them forward? Uh, I think we're going to see multiple additions. Um, who and, and what? I mean, that's going to come down to the interview process. Uh, let's get onto the ice then for the personnel decisions, very big personnel decisions that have to be made by yeah. whoever is leading this charge this summer. Let's start w- at the spot that a lot of people see as the, the most problematic for this team if they're ever going to make another deep run into the playoffs. Um, how do they solve their goaltending issue this offseason? Yeah, that's that's the big one, right? That's definitely um, the, the big question. I, I think they're going to – I mean, it's hard to, spe- to specifically identify certain elements right now because nobody's calling the shots per se. Um, I would expect them to explore their options in that. Uh, whether that is a Thatcher Demko, a John Gibson, uh, one of the free agents that are going to be out there, I think they're going to explore their options to see who becomes available um, moving forward and then decide whether it's, are they better off with keeping Tristan Jari or going in a different direction? I I think that's going to be, you know, we talked about, you don't want to prioritize or put things out of priority, the priority list. Uh, and it's almost like a one ABC scenario in certain elements. Mm-hmm. I think this is one of them as well. Whenever the new GM comes in, it's going to be, all right, who are we keeping? Who are we going to look to move? Who the heck's our goaltender? And what areas do we have to improve on? I mean, those are four key elements, but they're all like almost equally important. Um, so I think without question, goaltending will be part of that. Um, I could see, I mean, it sounded like they were going to go in a different direction. Um, now that they've made the changes, again, it depends who they're, who's coming in. I'd be surprised if they don't cast another net in that regard to see which goaltenders are available. Can they make us better? And do they fit um, what we're looking to do? And do they also come economically friendly? Yeah, that's yeah. the biggest part, I think, is is having to clear the cap space necessary, if, especially if you're talking about a big contract like a, like yeah. a John Gibson. Um, speaking of big contracts, uh, I'm curious – where it might go this offseason for Jason Zucker. He's going to be 30, I believe, by the time next season starts. Yep. Um, he is. He was a spark plug for this team this year. No doubt about it. Uh, finally, the, the Penguins felt like they got the version of Jason Zucker they had traded for a couple years ago. Healthy and really, uh, like I said, providing that spark, that spark, that punch that they needed many nights. Um, what do you suspect the market for him is going to be? I know it's really early. <laughs> Heck, half the league isn't even done playing yet. Um, but what do you suspect? What do you suspect that market will look like for Jason Zucker? And can the Penguins remain a part of it? Well, they've got a decent amount of cap space to play with. So I, I think really it's going to come down to where they see those other holes and how they can how they can fill them. They may see this and go, we would prefer to keep a Jason Zucker versus arbitrary, just totally throwing it out there because I just saw his name earlier, you know, Brian Rust, as an example. Um not saying they will. I'm just purely using it as him as an example, because um, it would work economically. It'd be in and around the same world, the five six range. Um, but if you're filling that hole, not necessarily a hole, but if you're if you're 
keeping him around and you need to fill another hole, you've got other assets to move to create that, to try to do that. So does that mean that a guy like Rust or Raquel or whomever is going to go on the outs? You know, we know that Raquel obviously has, has played well and, and Gensel's played well and uh, they've done tremendously, tremendously well with this group. But can you fill other holes and, and who's going to be an odd man out if, if Zucker stays? Or do you look to see if you can bring in somebody who you think can replace him at a lower cost and still give you enough room to, to fill voids in other areas? Um, I mean, that's all the stuff that has to be figured out. I think there's, what, 20 million or 9, 8, 15, what, 15, 20 million range in terms of cap space. So they, they've, they, they don't have – I mean, they have a ton, but that money goes away quick because you also have some yeah. other guys to sign. So um, it's, it's going to be – it's going to be – tough uh i guess it's gonna be tough to tactically tackle this um but that's that's why you're you're trying to bring in a new regime that you feel comfortable in being able to do that and keep you um competitive and and definitely way further ahead this year than or next season than you were this year sure would be nice to not have that grandland contract on the books Man. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's maybe it's him. Maybe they they have to incentivize a team, and and you got to move something out, which is not ideal, but could um, be part of the solution. Yeah, yep. David, thanks so much for the time today. I really do appreciate it. I know you are knee deep in the playoffs. Uh, enjoy it. Tell Kyle Dubas we said hello just in case <laughs> things do not go well for the Leafs in the first round, and the game right. one didn't look all that great. Uh, cool. So uh, we'll keep the lines of communication open. How yes. about that? I'll I'll do what I can, I promise you. (laughs) Great stuff, David. Thanks as always. Take care, man.